1159 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, America. Another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. <laughs> And welcome everybody to our Daily Gun Show. Come be live every weeknight at midnight Eastern to talk about guns for about an hour. And we got a couple people joining us tonight. We got Cycle Camp joining us from Connecticut. Thanks for dropping in. Hi there. We got uh, Woods jumping in from Washington, all the way on the other side of the country. Thanks for joining. Hey, how are you? My mic working okay? Yeah, sounds good. Yep, and I great. am in the middle somewhere. So uh, thanks, guys, for jumping in. we got some people joining us on the Gun Channel side, of course, where we simulcast the show. We run it live on YouTube until Night Strike hits his shit together over on GunTube. And then we'll be moving over there. Um, it is Tuesday, right? So we'll be talking about our Second Amendment. And let's see what we got. Uh, we're going to talk about state bans, if they're constitutional. We'll talk about the state of Illinois, which we're in. And we're on episode 657. So we got a couple of links out there. Some of the people that are on the YouTube side being lazy have links on the gun channel side. Just haven't decided to join. But I uh, see a couple of people out there. So thanks for joining us. It's part of our goal is to make interactive uh, content. Not uh, trying to impress anybody with anything other than great in a forum so when we need them we got the lines of communication available so anyway um anything new going on you guys um i had a good time chatting just now with a new member of gun channels that actually is in washington state here so we went back and forth on the in the text chat and it was good to get to know him and kind of tell him where some of the better gun stores are and give him some advice for this area because he just bought a gun and he was actually they were talking about him on another show earlier today, and it was gun. It was really fun to like interact with. Being a new gun, newish gun member, gun channels member, welcoming another new gun channel member. You're talking about Adelpho? Yeah, that guy. So not just that, but he said in uh, Ghost Chat that he just purchased his first firearm. So not just new to the our internet community, but new to gun community. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, thanks for uh, mentioning that and. Uh, yeah, we're going to find that lots of people out here in the gun community are uh, very cool people. There's some clicks and some, you know, crowds and stuff, but uh, for the most part, everybody is is welcoming. So uh, find out what you like to do and pursue it and share it. That's my, my advice. All right, so um, uh, state bans, are they constitutional? Go. No. No. Interesting. So... Um, so we have a republic, a, a democratic republic. So uh, we, re we, we elect representatives to uh, represent us in the, in the federal government, but then we want that federal government being tyrannical and telling the states what to do. Yep. Telling all states they have to walk in lockstep. Let me, let me put it to you this way, a state going against the second amendment is no different than the state going against the first amendment. 
if a state was trying to seriously infringe on the First Amendment, no one would have any problems with the feds taking a stand saying, hey, 14th Amendment says you're not allowed to do that. It's in the, it's in the Constitution. The Constitution takes precedence over the state. No one would have a second thought about it. It's only because the Second Amendment is a deprecated amendment. People just don't like it that they get away with it. And that's my opinion on that. Thanks, Alan. Once again, Cycle Camp says it pretty awesome, so I don't really have much to add to that. Well, I'm still. Why you'll never see me up for uh, for uh, what do you call it for uh, Supreme Court? Um, I like the idea though of the states being experiments and doing their own thing and being able to react to their demographic or whatever the hell you call it, like their area of the country. You know, we got different areas of the country. Wouldn't is there very many things that are going to be universal? No, I don't. I don't think there are a lot of things that are universal, but I think the ones that are specifically enumerated in the Constitution are. So I, I think I think things like the first, the fourth, the fifth, you know, the, I, I think they're specifically enumerated in the Constitution and the second, of course. Uh, and that kind of says, hey, no, you can't mess with these. So obnoxious is saying we're a constitutional republic, not a democratic republic. Is that true? And what's the difference in that nuance? Right. That, that's exactly that's exactly right. Because in, in a in a democratic society, majority wins. Whatever the majority says, that's what happens. If the majority decides you shouldn't have a bike, they take your bike. In a constitutional republic, the constitution is the law of the land, and the constitution is there to protect people's individual rights and the states are not allowed to step on those individual rights that so, is the whole difference between a uh, a republic a constitutional republic and a and a and a true democracy that is why we don't have a true democracy because well, the founding okay, no one's no one suggests we have a true democracy nobody's an idiot here but we have i've always heard it well not always but i've often heard it said as a de democratic republic in that we we vote democratically for our representatives who then uh represent us in the republic but that's different than a constitutional republic? Absolutely. Okay. Um, who else said it over here? Uh, again, on the stupid YouTube side, because they're lazy and won't chat on the gun channel side. Oh, it's difficult. Oh, it doesn't work perfectly. Uh. So anyhow, uh, what does it say here? And every state signed on to the Constitution for statehood. So what you're suggesting is... Uh, that there's this constitution, and for the most part, the Bill of Rights lays down some lines in the sand. This is where the government will not tread uh, on, you know, whatever inalienable rights we might have. They enumerate them there in the Second Amendment or in the first, in the Bill of Rights. You're saying that since they signed on to the Constitution, or excuse me, student signed into statehood for the Republic, um, that they then said like you meant, like you've worded it, uh, that although you can come up with whatever laws you might want, these are sacred and shall not be infringed. Right. Just the states get to say what they want to say about things that are not in the constitution. 
but there are very few amendments to the Constitution that are as clearly written as the second, in spite of how the progressive left would like to obfuscate that. The truth of the matter is the Second Amendment is, I mean, let's face it, it's the shortest, most simply worded amendment in the entire Bill of Rights. You're talking about the second again? Yeah, the second, yeah. Yeah, but doesn't it say that the state has the right to own firearms? Doesn't never said that. Doesn't say that there at all. The first okay. the first clause of the Constitution, I mean of of the Second Amendment, is a is not the actual um is is not the action part of the clause, it's the justification part of the clause. And and everybody that understands English and how English was used in, in the period that the Constitution was written understands that. You know, uh, in, in order that all guys, uh, you know, shouldn't be fat, the right of people to, or, or, or not starve, the right of the people to own refrigerators shall not be infringed. Well, it doesn't mean that just starving people can own refrigerators. You know, it's it's a justification saying, yeah, it's good to have refrigerators. People should have them, but it's not it's not an actionable part of the of the actual uh, of the actual uh, amendment. And yeah, it, it just really pisses me off when when people start screwing around with that stuff. Yeah, it's an independent clause. Maybe a year ago, I don't care what about all that because number one, nobody went to English anymore or nobody nobody paid attention to that it's kind of shit in english but uh maybe maybe a year maybe a little bit more ago somebody or at least i discovered the uh pretty easy way to to think of it that there's nothing else in the bill of rights or the constitution for that matter that declares a right of the state every single other thing in the constitution either protects or describes the right of the individual and prohibits the state from all these different things. Can you mute in between? Cause you're eating or doing something over there. It's super distracting. Oh, sorry. So, uh, uh, so that I think that's a good argument because then you, you can get into clauses you can get into commas and you can get into what well-regulated means and you can fight about them with what militia meant here and now or whatever, if it's organic, but I really like it. I think it cuts right to the throat. Uh, how come the Second Amendment is the only thing written to give the state a right when everything else in there is to give an individual protection from a, a tyrannical state? And I haven't had a chance to throw that one at an anti yet, but uh, has anybody else? Or has anybody else heard that one before? I've heard well, it. I've never had a chance to, to use it against a, a non-gunner and an anti-gunner, but I'm totally going to. Well, well, the I mean, the argument is that that the the states have the right. I, I think it's the Fourteenth Amendment. The Fourteenth Amendment says that states have to adhere to the to the Constitution and can't infringe on the Constitution, but that anything that's not enumerated in the Constitution, the states get a chance to to uh, do on their own. You know, so so if it's not specifically in the Constitution, then it's up to the state to determine how they're going to do it. And and like you said earlier, G. Webbs. All the little states are like a whole bunch of little melting pots, and that's why we everybody does it slightly differently, and we try to figure out what the best way to do it is. The problem is that people have taken the clear, non-vague language of the Second Amendment and said, oh, wait a minute, there's wiggle room there. There's um, How people carry is not 
in the Constitution. So it's okay for the states to tell people how they can carry. And states have a a vested interest in safety. And there's nothing about safety in the Second Amendment. So it's okay for the states to make laws about guns, you know, in the name of safety. And my response to that is, shall not be infringed. It's very clear. It's very simple. And we, we, they made a mistake. The Supreme courts of the day made a mistake when they said that states have a right to tell people how they can carry firearms, even though inside the, in, in the actual amendment, it says shall the right to the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And by that, I mean, what, what that means to me is, you can't tell people how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, or why to do it. Because anything that's like that is an infringement. So, yeah, and, you know, you can play the game with that. But but that's part of the, I believe it's the 14th Amendment that says, if it's in the Constitution, the states have to abide by it. But but they, oh, if oh, it's did not in. Did he break up for everybody? You say if it's in the Constitution, it's in the 13th. And then it cut there for a minute for me. The four, the fourteenth. I, I believe the I believe the fourteenth amendment says the states have to have to uphold the Bill of Rights. It, it's like a reciprocity clause, right? That says you know if, if if the if the feds can't do it, the states can't do it either. And uh, and it's only the stuff that's not specifically granted as a power to the federal government that the states can can uh, make laws about. And that's where you get in trouble with just how airtight is the second amendment so so it's okay in the in the first amendment people have the right to free speech but it's okay for a state to make them get a permit before they use public land to make their free speech eh, gee whiz you know am i am i good with that i i honestly don't think i am hold on number one you can say whatever you want but if you want to go say in the middle of the intersection the state has a way to say no. You can't just stand in the middle of the saying just because you you suggest it's free speech. Big deal. Everybody else has to get to work, so we share that area. Now, when you're talking right to assemble, yeah, everybody's got a right to assemble. But again, right to assemble right in the middle of everybody else's day to day lives, not necessarily. You know, we have a, a government to um, you know move things around or put things in the right spot. So, uh, you know, these free speech zones or whatever that people rail against. I mean, I'm not against free speech or anything, but I'm also not going to suggest that those people that stand in the road and block you know, traffic to get their point across are exercising the right to assemble or the right to free speech. They're terrorists and they're jumping in the middle of, you know, the, the people's, you know, effort. They're standing in the way of ambulances and stuff like that, right? Well, I, I totally agree with you, but in that case, they are infringing on other people's rights, their right to travel uh, unrestricted and, you know, things like that. So I don't, I definitely don't have a problem with that. I, I think it's perfectly okay for the state to say, you can't demonstrate in the middle of, a, of an interstate because you're blocking everybody else. You're, in, you're interfering with people's right to travel and get where they got to go. So, but, but what, what, uh, infringements against against the second when they infringe against us on the second they are only infringing against us they are not they are not doing it because we're infringing on other people when we decide to carry a firearm we're not infringing on anybody else they can do what they want to do 
we don't stop them from doing things. That's interesting. I think there's some perception there, and there's certainly, I believe, that they have intentionally, strategically altered the move that, what's that window? Clover told me earlier, I forget it. The Overton window? They've, they've intentionally moved the perception, the, the cultural perception of firearms to where they do uh, equate any interest in firearms with skeptical, like what's up with this person that they have an interest in firearms? Are they you know, compensating for some sexual organ? Are they violent? Are they uh, you know, paranoid? Like it's all negative stuff, right? Yeah, well, they must just plain be deplorable, just like anybody who would have voted for Trump. It's very easy for that stuff to come around like that, right? Mm, I don't think it was an easy thing for them to change society to that thing. And I don't think it was a Republican-Democrat thing. I think it was bigger, nefarious stuff than that. That's you know, social, whatever, conscious. That's people that want to see state control versus individual they want to see collective versus single i think that's more than just democrat republican that's you know political systems or whatever but uh i think that that's where we come in and that's where as individuals who are willing to share and the boring stuff and the fun stuff and the interesting stuff and the you know whatever um you know all the different areas of it i think that we're we're gonna do stride we we're creating strides in the opposite direction we're number one making it difficult for them to suggest that all gun owners are xyz uh and uh we're illustrating you know through all different kinds of ways and all different kinds of platforms and all different kinds of scale you know the, the again all of the various aspects of firearms and uh you know, it's real difficult for someone to suggest cars. You know, I have a lot of time to think while I'm driving and stuff. And, uh, you know, if, if someone were against cars, they could go against the pollution. They could go against the, you know, the, 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 not, the, not, the non-necessity, if that's the word, to, uh, to have a single person in a car, you know, for transportation. Uh, you know, the roads take up so much space. If we just use buses or trains or something, we'd have all this more space in the congested areas of the cities and stuff. Um, you know, there's so many ways that you could attack cars, but we don't because everyone who sees a car doesn't see a 6,000 pound metal weapon that a 16 year old can drive legally and a 14 year old can drive, you know, with some sort of a uh, uh, loophole. And, you know, even younger kids can drive with farm loopholes. You know, they don't see that because no one's intentionally getting rid of cars yet. Uh, you know, there's no end game for the socialists or whatever to get rid of cars yet. But I'm sure socialist countries don't want people driving around cars willy nilly. They'd much rather see public transportation only. Right. So anyway, I think that, uh, you know, we've got some something to gain here. We're all efforting, I think, uh, successfully. And uh, with a little effort and with a little um, deliberate, like, uh, focus, I think that we can be just as powerful, if not more so, many times more so, really, than the efforts against us. The efforts against us have all been done pre-internet. They were done when very, very, very few people, I don't know if you guys have seen the stuff that 
talks about who owns media, but it's very few people. I think it's like 12 people own literally every newspaper, television, movie, right? Like all media is just very few people. And for a long time, that was the dynamic. And there's whole generations of people who grew up with that dynamic and that dynamic developing in front of them. And when there is no alternative, you know, they're left with the, uh, without any critical thinking, they're left with the idea that that's the way it is. Well, fuck that. That's not the way it is. And we're seeing it change. And I think every single person who either takes a camera and shares pictures or audio or video, and, and additionally, every single person that watches that, values it, communicates with it, shares it, uh, gives it validation by giving it credibility, uh, is fighting that. And like I say, we've got the potential already. It's just a matter of harnessing that, giving it some direction, and then doom on those sons of bitches. There's no way that they can make a movie that's going to dissuade all the people that we have reached, not just the people that watch our shit, but the people that are in our lives that know us and know what we do. And when they ask sit down in Thanksgiving or at Christmas or at some movie and you're just bullshitting before the movie starts and you say, what do you do for a living? And, or what do you do for a hobby now? Oh, I don't play golf anymore. Now I, I do something like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I do something with firearms related. You know, there's no way that they can combat that. Yeah, that's all part of the normalization of, of which, which is where we were, you know, 70, 80 years ago, you know, guns were just everywhere and people walking around with them all the time and they were in the backs of cars and kids. I mean, I, I, you know, people put the gun rack in the back of the pickup, took the gun to school because they were going hunting after school. I mean, it was just, it, they were just normal. You know, people had them all the time. I'm also having more faith in the younger people because they're not so dependent on any kind of the old medias that the 12 people own that they like to some of the other medias like such as this one or any of the ones that, you know, aren't your typical owned by the, you know, 12 super rich people who are also getting very, very old and are going to have probably lose their grip. Yeah, but they have their, they have their young evil Sith apprentices who run the Twitters and the YouTubes and the Googles of the world who have decided that their version of reality is the only reality that people ought to be allowed to find on the internet. So I'm, I am, I am personally a little concerned about that because you can, you can stop buying a newspaper and there's nothing a person can do to make you buy that newspaper. But if you go to the internet for your information, you're screwed if these big mainline companies decide they don't want you to know stuff and they don't want you to see stuff. You're screwed. There's nothing you can do about it. You had been screwed. But again, the old people that went from newspapers to tell the radio, I guess, to, to television. And then finally, you know, they're kicking and screaming, brought to the Internet. They landed on AOL. And they thought that was the internet. And then when AOL went under, they went, uh oh, there's websites and there's things. It's so scary. Oh, there's Facebook. And they all went to Facebook. So, the same way that you're um, aware that uh, you know, a couple of the uh, anti, you know, large anti gun influences are getting older, there's a massive population of people that's going to drop off Facebook. Now, there's a bunch of idiots that are just going to go to Facebook because it's easy and they're lazy. That's fine. But uh, the people that you're talking about, the kids, uh, talking about the kids coming up, the kids that I've seen, uh, the kids that I know, kids in my family, kids of my friends, 
um, all ages are so fluent in mobile uh, phones and tablets and whatever's next that there's no way you're gonna you're gonna suggest that those people are gonna be forced to Facebook. In fact, the dissatisfaction that we as adults are seeing in Facebook, I can't even imagine that they're satisfied with that. So there's gonna be new platforms. The the, the fact that Instagram is so much more uh, growing so much faster than stupid Facebook piece of shit, you know, messy non-archival crap. Uh, I think that we're going to see waves and trends or whatever you call it, fads, um, different interests and tastes. And, you know, this is all right now uh, because phones happen to be the way they are. Uh, add another level of tech to phones and the platforms will have to change. Uh, they've changed when we went from uh, changed when we went from pictures to sound. They changed when we went from sound to video. And why would we think we're done at this point? Uh, there's something new coming and there's something that's being created after that and the platforms will change with it and our means of communications will change. And uh, luckily, uh, what they pull, you know, what, what, what follows from one platform or one, one trend to another or one fad to another is what's archived. And uh, let's just say again, uh, I'm going to pat everybody on the back, everybody who's creating content out there is you know creating a platform for the next generation to stand up from and that's not ignorance and that's not uh you know gaps in history and that's not uh unawareness of all the different aspects of shooting now they get to see all that and move forward and i also think it's important that as times change and as new platforms evolve that we evolve with them uh where, you know, wherever people start to go, wherever the new avenues are, us people as gun people need to be involved in that too. As much as possible. Luckily, hopefully there's enough of, well, I think there's enough of us that, you know, people's tastes will go along, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, like I like pictures or I like video and they'll, they'll go to that platform. And then we'll have people out there who are interested in those platforms creating content that, the audience that's interested in that would appreciate as opposed to some of the stuff that's forced right now no matter no matter how they try to hide us we're just everywhere uh there and that's kind of the point is we have to be everywhere yeah i think uh to cycles point too that you know the the stranglehold or the filter that the creators of these platforms, the two big ones, YouTube and Facebook that we're talking about. I, mean, I don't think Twitter gives a shit. It's not ins it's insignificant. Twitter's just a way for famous people to talk to their fans. Um, until we get enough famous gun people, that's not going to be a big thing. But anyway, anytime those companies become tyrannical, we're a free country. I don't care what anybody says or what you want to say about the younger generations. Uh, whoever had that speech about Americans or people of the United States, I should say, um, our number one question is why. So as soon as Facebook starts telling us this or that, and people start getting wind of it, they're going to get left behind. Like, like uh, yesterday's news. Go ahead and mute. We're going to jump in. Uh, jump in. Say whatever you want, but mute in between. Um, but uh, you know what I'm saying. I think that people are aware and they're really uh, tuned in to when they're being stifled. And I don't think anybody wants to be stifled. So as we, we notice it on Facebook. Other things are going to notice it. Um, other uh, culture, you know, 
parts of the communities are going to notice it and they're going to, people are going to flee from Facebook as soon as there's two or three things that are better. We've already seen it with Instagram. I don't want to dominate it though. So anything else with our state bans constitutionally? I think that's what we got. We started all this from. Some of the other people have been jumping in. Gary jumped in. He's already chimed in, but then Cody jumped in. Well, John John Smith on uh, the YouTube side actually put up the first uh, the the uh, lead part of the Fourteenth Amendment, and that is that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. That's the the main part of the phrase, and then it says that they shall also not deprive anyone of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And that's the very first section of the fourteenth. So if if you have in the if you have in the Constitution a Second Amendment that says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, then as far as I'm concerned, there are no legal gun laws, zero. And for a state to pass laws in lieu, and so so all the federal gun laws are bullshit, and any state laws I believe are also bullshit. I like to agree with that. I'd like to hear a lawyer's or whatever a constitutional scholar's you know perspective on that because it, I mean, at all right now all the stupid gun crap in thirty four sixty eight all use the interstate commerce, which is I think not a strong platform in the first place um you know i'd like to see us move towards getting rid of the nfa and all that i think it'd be great to hear some uh, people who are knowledgeable about the constitutional side of it because yeah it seems like like you just said if you got a second and you got a 14th where these other things come from yeah one of the biggest things uh that we see happening especially in my state in pennsylvania here they will um start using other things like registered receipts for handguns. And I agree with all of you that there is no such thing as a constitutional gun law, uh, but they will do everything they can to either tax us or try to keep us from having it. In fact, right now we have two bills that are going to be causing us to have no due process for allegations of abuse. And it's, it's crazy. It's something that'll just, all of a sudden, with no respect or to the legal process, you will automatically lose your gun rights and you could be committed as a felon in the state of PA. Yeah, I think that's some of the scariest stuff coming around lately. And we didn't hardly even address it at the gun rights policy conference, but that seems like a horrible door to open. Yeah, it's just one more way of uh, backdoor registration for us uh, to keep us from being able just to do what we want and be free. Well, the, the, I mean, the worst of it is the, is the whole set of laws where all a person has to do is accuse you of something and they take your guns away. And it, it, that happened in Connecticut last year or the year before. And we already had a law in the books that, that if a person was demonstrably screwed up, the police could do an investigation, submit that information to a judge, and then they could go confiscate that guy's firearms. So we already had a law that said if this guy is it's demonstrably wacko and there is actual evidence that there's something wrong here, then we can go in and take that guy's guns. But no, that wasn't good enough. 
they had to put together the law that said, if anybody around you, anybody in your family or your neighbors or close associates of yours get concerned about you, they can file a restraining order and, and they have that checkbox on the restraining order that says the guy has guns, go take them away. And that right there, that is removal of a person's property without due process. And that is supposed to be absolutely guaranteed to us that, that you're not supposed to have your property removed and pounded and all that kind of stuff without due process. Yet people constantly come back and say, take the guns first. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, scary. Absolutely ridiculous. The scariest part is Trump said that. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, even scarier. Yeah. Yeah, he interrupted Pence to make sure that he said that. I think well, that bit him in the butt, though. Yeah, luckily he, I don't know, does he even have the power? I mean, I guess he has the power to suggest they enforce that, but then the courts and everybody else who can jump in and stop him. So well, he, he is the head of the executive branch, yeah. Well, he doesn't have, he has the power to make him do it, but he doesn't have ultimate power, and he can be clipped from both other branches. So oh, we, yes. can, we can motivate our representatives in the House to do that, but... Uh, I don't know what happens on the Senate. I guess a bunch of our organizations that we support would have to then, you know, if he really followed through with that craziness, you know, they'd have to follow, you know, push some case up to rule on it. Well, the, the, I mean, the real problem with with Constitution, uh, this supposedly being a constitutional republic, is that SCOTUS isn't doing their job. You know, they're the ones that are supposed to be standing up and saying, no more, you can't do this stuff. And they're the ones that keep saying, eh, nope, don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. They're, they're like the parents. The kids are tearing the house apart and the parents got their ears in their fingers going, la, 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 la. You know, the, the, they're supposed to be watching out for us. They're supposed to be making sure that our constitutional rights are not being stepped on. And SCOTUS time and time and time again refuses to hear the cases. Well, I hear you. I'm not going to, I don't like to throw blame on somebody when it's us, you know, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance, right? There's other sayings. We don't get to lay down and watch our government work perfectly. We have a tendency, and I don't know if it's just human nature, because it kind of seems like it, uh, to, to focus on the president as if there's some king of the country. Uh, we, we pretty much know that our representatives are, you know, voted in by us to, to act on our behalf in the, on the Congress. But, and we obviously pay all kinds of attention to the president and we monitor what's going on with the, you know, all the different branches in the executive side. But how much do we really do on the Supreme Court side, other than watching the little phony shows when the justices are, you know, what do they call that, you know, run through the paces. Um, we don't put as a as a country a lot of or at least equal effort, you know, one third of our attention on those court cases that are moving up. So I don't know what it would be like if we had a country that was more politically active to where a third of our attention was on the various cases that are, you know, positioning themselves on the way up to the Supreme Court. But potentially, I would think if we were focusing a third of our attention, which would be a lot more than we're doing now uh, on those, I don't know, would we see more uh, if we were more active on doing whatever needs to? I don't even know what the process is, honestly, with uh, getting justices out of there or holding them to task or 
you know, paying more attention to them. It's, it's odd. We've got so many Congress people and we, we pay attention to them like they're celebrities. And we got like nine justices. Most of us can't even name who they are. Well, justices are, are voted in for life. So there's not much you can do about that. I, I don't know how you go about impeaching a justice, but uh, you know, my concern is I have seen, uh, I have too many per friends of mine personally who have put their, sacred honor and their and their treasure into fighting the fight and taking it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And I'm specifically speaking about Ed Peruta. And he gets up there and he's and he doesn't get his day he doesn't get his day in court. And and it was it was it's just so obvious that 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 was a wrong decision, that the court made the wrong decision in not hearing his case. And, and of course, you know, uh, 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 what's his name there? Uh, Thomas and, and those guys, they went ballistic in their, in their, uh, when they wrote their, uh, their dissenting opinion. But the, the whole point is people are doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, CCDL, we spent almost a million dollars taking our court, our case about Connecticut up to the Supreme court and the Supreme court refused to hear it. And so I, I don't think it's that we're not doing what we're supposed to do. I think it's the, I don't think it's them not doing what they're supposed to do. We're, we're beating the streets. We're getting the money. We're, we're making the cases. We're following the process. We're being good little citizens and we're following the process from the, from the state courts, the circuit courts up to the Supreme court. And we, when we get up to our first, to the Supreme Court, we have our, our little bowl in our hand saying, oh, please, sir, would you please hear my case? And they say, be gone, little kid. We don't want to hear your case today. Right. And, no, boy, I'm, not suggesting that, I'm not suggesting the effort of people to get cases through. I mean, that's an incredible amount of effort, cost, and, and you know, effort and, and time. But um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, we don't... Not, if you took a poll of people and said, are you a gun owner? Are you a proud gun owner? You're an active 2A activist. And you got yourself a pretty good pool of those people who consider themselves that. And then you asked them to name off the Supreme Court justices. It's just not in our, in our you know, active conversations. So I guess what I'm suggesting is if we were to, again, you know, divide up our attention that we spend on politics and actually divide it into three in thirds, uh, and then follow through. And again, I don't. I understand that if you don't just remove Supreme Court justices every time they don't vote the way you want, but you can give them a legacy of, you know, they were a shit justice, and I don't think too many of them are interested in that. Uh, you can uh, harp on things like like the the case you just mentioned, the Pruda, right? the what is it, Pruda? Uh, like, I agree with you. That was a very frustrating one because it was necessary with Heller to bear, to find, I guess, modern interpretation of the Second Amendment. But uh, we let it, you know, you put all this tremendous effort into getting that case up there, like exactly like you said, they said, no, we let it go. I mean, we're talking about it right now. But what if it was, remember, Peruta, remember Peruta. And, you know, when next time it comes for the House to be uh, whatever, you know, remember Peruta is all over the place and now they have to deal with that. And that's where I think you get into, you know, focus, or I guess putting the, the, uh, what am I trying to say? The, you know, the different uh, divisions of government against each other. 
we win when they're in gridlock and they're fighting with each other and they're watching each other's back right now. It's not that they're in cahoots or collusion. It's just that nobody pays attention to the Supreme court. So they're able to say no with no consequence. I'm suggesting in addition to everything we do now, how do we give them some consequence maybe so that they have to think, Oh, there's, there's going to be a consequence to whatever I say one way or the other besides, you know, precedent and law which is pretty big. Um, I don't know. We've been digging in. So unless anybody else has anything that you've been wanting to say and we've been chatting over you, I'm going to dig into Illinois. Going once, twice, all right, into Illinois. So, uh, you know, Illinois is the host of the uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference, and a lot of people consider Illinois behind state lines for no reason. Illinois has constitutional carry. It took them a little while to get it, thanks to the Second Amendment Foundation and a bunch of people. Uh, who put in the work? Uh, we have constitution now. We have concealed carry in Illinois. Uh, then uh, they tried to pull in some crazy gun laws at the, at the state level, and you had a consequence of uh, to that of a bunch of the counties saying no and standing up to Springfield, which is somewhere in here, and Chicago, which is that big red spot, um, and said no. And they created sanctuary cities for guns. So uh, using the sanctuary city or sanctuary city like term, they played on that and said gun sanctuary counties. So now what we've got is I count 40 counties in green, which have already passed ballot initiatives or whatever, passed uh, bills, which say that county is no longer going to, uh, well, they're going to ignore the bad gun laws passed down by the state. And they're not going to enforce them. They're not going to task their sheriffs with enforcing any of those bad gun laws. The state, the counties in yellow have it on the ballot already and are going to be voting soon. So that's quite a few more. And then in orange uh, is people, is counties that have actually efforted. The counties in red haven't done anything yet. There's no action. Uh, we we'll probably won't see action in Chicago, I suspect. I don't know what's going on in the tip of Illinois. It's basically nothing down here. It's like forest. I don't know what's going on. But uh, I don't know, there must be some explanation. Maybe there's just not enough people there to even care. But uh, I think that's a cool thing that, uh, again, Illinois, uh, right in the middle of everything here, there are good gun, count, uh, good gun states all around it. For the most part, it's just uh, Chicago. And this is a way for a whole bunch of people in this big giant state down here to say no to something that Chicago had influence over Springfield. Anybody following this stuff? Yeah, well, it's like how L.A. and San Francisco control all of California. You know, it's or Seattle deal. controls Washington. Kind of. Yeah. I don't think it's exactly the same. And I mean, Illinois may have constitutional carry for its people, but it doesn't have constitutional carry from anybody from out of state, like CC Vermont does. CCW. I, mean, I keep saying constitutional carry, sorry. Um, yeah, they have not, they don't have the best CCW, but at least they are, the, you know, they were the last state to hold out and not even offer it. So now it's a thing and, you know, we have to be satisfied with steps. Very rarely do we go from black to white. We have to have increments in between. So this was the first increment. Like most states that started back with CCW uh, that didn't just go to, you know, constitutional or something, uh, you go, uh, um, from long, like Illinois, 10 hours, I think, 16 hours. It's insane. It's a two-day CCW class, 350 bucks. Usually you go a few years. 
they figure out there's not blood in the streets. They're able to shorten it to eight hours. At some point, they, they shorten it to no testing, and then eventually they, they get to constitutional, ideally. Uh, but I think uh, it would be a lot grim, more grim, 90, if they didn't, uh, if we didn't see all these green counties. Yeah, it, it really would be. And it's also like the uh, cake analogy that I've heard you use before and even heard Nightstrike use earlier, that we got to keep doing the same thing, taking little by little until they have nothing less to hold from us, but we have our entire cake back. Dude, I am happy to hear that because I needed some more money. So if Night Strike is stealing off of me, that's good. I'll have another lawsuit. Thanks. I stole that from somebody else, too. Oh, this should also help if you're a senator or something from Illinois. You should probably start looking at this, looking at this map and saying, wait a minute. If I've been voting anti-gun, there's a whole lot of people that are pro-gun. Maybe I should change my mind here. Because, you know, senators like to stay in power. True. Well, I'll tell you what. I bet all you guys can name the two senators from my state in Connecticut. Dodd? One of them? No, the U.S. senators. I have no idea. I'll yeah, give you a hint. One of them sounds suspiciously like Bloomberg. Oh, really? Yeah, Blumenthal and Murphy. I bet every one of you knows about Blumenthal and Murphy. I don't know if you'd win that bet. So tell us about Blumenthal and Murphy. Even though we're talking about oh, man, just, just with the Kavanaugh hearings, those guys are going berserk. Oh, okay. If it's that, I haven't been watching those. Okay. Well, but, but, they're, but they're like the worst centers ever as far as gun rights and stuff are concerned. They're, it's embarrassing to be from the same state that they're from. Well, we're talking Illinois, so I'm going to jump back to my Instagram here. I've been going to a couple of different uh, uh, shops in Illinois. So first off, we were talking on Clover's or on Ghost Chat earlier, and they talked. somebody mentioned not liking to go into restaurants and stuff that have the no gun signs. And I mentioned that uh, I just picked up these, uh, which are pretty cool cards that uh, a lot of the state right organizations, state gun right owners rights organizations will offer, uh, or if you don't find them at your state's organization. You can find them online. You can print them or better yet, you know, take to uh, show this to the printer. They'll duplicate it and, you know, have 500 of them made. That's cost you like $7 or something on a special. And then uh, pass them out, you know, hand them out at places and leave piles of them at gun shops and gun shows. And uh, they basically tell the uh, proprietor that, you know, hey, you might not have thought about this, but gun owners, especially concealed carriers, have gone through quite a bit of scrutiny. And uh, we have money. You know, guns that cost 500 bucks that we carry around. We have probably have more than one. So uh, you probably want us as customers. Uh, but anyway, so uh, headed over to Fox Valley Range. Uh, Graham had been talking about that one. They haven't even had their grand opening yet. It's going to be this Saturday. So uh, they've got a couple of raffles going. And uh, it's got 6, 10, 12 ranges or something like that or 12 lanes. Uh, this is the inside of the shop. Uh, the ranges are divided up into a couple of private ones, the four there, and then a couple of six more. Uh, it's Illinois. So I think what the deal is, is you can't touch a gun unless you've got a firearms card. So like a lot of the stores, their inventory is behind glass. So basically that 
requires a, a ten, you know, customer, what do you call it, a employee or whatever to open up something to show it to you. Uh, but they basically got the different collections in these standing cabinets, which makes it easy to browse. I mean, it's better than, you know, a lot of stores will have all this stuff below your waist. You got to bend over to see anything. I really like when stores lift the inventory up like this. It's still, you know, there might somebody super short might be over their head, but for most people, this is probably about their chin or whatever. So you can still see around the store, find your kid if he's running around, but you can also take a look at the actual inventory out of a, an employee comes over and opens it up or whatever, you know, you can uh, see all of them right there. It's pretty handy. Uh, as an out-of-state resident, I don't need a you know, FOID. I can look at guns, I guess. Uh, they had uh, quite a selection there. So uh, that was one of the shops, uh, very new. Uh, I really think this is the future of gun shops. I wrote it in here, not gun shops, but ranges. I've been to a couple of the really high-end ranges, and I would love to say that that's the future of ranges, but those things cost like thousands of dollars a month or a year to be a member of. Uh, this one is more midline. It's it's not a dirt hole in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they put it right in the middle of a nice area. They probably put millions of dollars into their facility as far as the filtration and all that. Can you imagine what EPA does now to, you know, to requires what a new range would have to install? Um, but the facility itself is just nice and clean and big. Uh, they've already incorporated things like training, uh, classrooms, uh, enough room to have events there, barbecues and stuff like that. And I think that's really the future of ranges. Instead of just being a place for hardcore hobbyists to go and do their thing and leave, you know, like an efficient um, uh, facility, I think that they're kind of already creating it to be um, – I don't know, like I say, for, for events and for birthday parties and for, you know, different things that, you know, in the past hadn't really, nobody had really thought of. And, uh, and again, it's just, it's a really nice place. Real nice people too. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you go into a shop and they're a little standoffish. These guys were the opposite. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff from the gun rights policy conference, and then we'll get down to some more gun shops in here. This one I really, really liked. It's, uh, what's it called? Marengo, I guess that's a town in Illinois, and their display impressed me a lot. Like I just said, most of the shops in Illinois have their, their inventory behind glass. Uh, this place has this whole section of the store, uh, and you kind of, you know, you'd see it's kind of a U-shape, so I guess if someone didn't have an FOID, they could probably say, hey, get out of there. But uh, each of the guns is tethered to the wall, and again, from your, about your, not even your knees, you know, even above your head, depending on how tall you are, and you get an, op an opportunity to really see the, the, the differences between the models and stuff, but get your hands on them right away. I don't think I've seen this display ever before, except for like at a trade show or something. I just really thought that was cool. Um, not only that, they've got a pretty big shop, super friendly people, and an interesting shop. They had all kinds of neat stuff. It wasn't just brand new guns. Here's another bunch of pictures from that same shop. So you can see their long guns are also similarly up in the air, so you can take a look at them as you're walking by. You can get your eyes on the whole damn gun. It's not behind a counter. It's not on the floor like that. Uh, their signage is decent. Uh, they have these cool giant airplanes. I don't think they're remote control, but they look really rugged, so I don't know what they are. They're really big. I didn't want to take too close of pictures. I try not to get like their security systems and stuff in my pictures. Uh, they had this kind of stuff for no reason, just around the shop, which I blows me away. I really like seeing cool stuff just in a gun shop. If you're not shopping, it gives you something to look at, or if you're waiting in line, 
you know, your eyes can wander and be interested in stuff. Uh, you can see there's just a ton of stuff in the shop. These two bins here, you can barely see, look like pool tables. They're almost the size, they're like the size of one of those foosball tables, or whatever it's called, but they're just full of dollar stuff. Everything in here is like less than five bucks. So again, up in the air, so you don't have to bend over to see in there. Really cool shop. Um, I'm hoping that when I take pictures of these shops, that some of the other shops out there that might be interested, see some of these ideas and take some of them. Um, this was from Iowa, so it doesn't matter. Is that the only Illinois shops I got in here? I guess I, I that's it, unless we count this. This was Illinois, and this is a gun shop. So this is the uh, location where Jonathan Browning, the dad of John Browning, so he was a Mormon, and he became a Mormon. So Jonathan Browning was just some dude living in some city south of here. Somebody gave him a Mormon Bible or whatever the story is, and he decided to be a Mormon, and then he became like a hardcore Mormon, moved up to Nauvoo or Nauvoo or whatever it's called, and set up shop. Um, and as a gunsmith or as a blacksmith, he had built a few guns and he invented the harmonica gun. So the gun with a sort of a round cylinder with chambers in it, it's a flat bar with chambers drilled into it. So it's basically almost like a magazine for black powder. Uh, it was a pretty neat little gun. He invented it. He never patented it. So you know, he just gets credit for it. But uh, he never really had time to develop too many firearms because the Mormons got run out of here. And he helped, He was told by the Mormons to help, as a blacksmith, help the other Mormons get across to Utah or wherever they went. I think they went to Iowa first and then Utah. Uh, so I don't know. There's no way. They don't really talk about it. I don't know if anybody knows. But um, even if he wanted to develop guns, he really didn't have an opportunity. Then, of course, he went to Utah eventually and, you know, made... John Browning, which was his best gun invention because then John Browning. Anyway, super cool going to this place. That's a harmonica gun. Uh, and this one was made by Jonathan Browning. So you can see he was already highly skilled back in the days before John Browning was even born. And uh, that's him. And it's just neat because they, uh, they, uh, a bunch of people ran the Mormons out of Illinois, burned this whole area down and smashed it and then took it over. This house stayed, but this was all gone. And this was his workshop. So there's some pictures in here somewhere. I don't know if I have them in the Instagram uh, that show this is his old place. Uh, there's some pictures in the that I think I took pictures of uh, that showed what it looked like when uh, I think the Mormon church came and bought all this area back again after a while. And there was still the foundations of the workshop and everything. So even though this is a recreation, uh, it's a recreation done on the actual footings and then, you know, to this to the pictures of the, that they have at the time. So just a neat experience to be able to stand on the place where John Browning's dad was. I guess that's technically in Illinois. Um, and then the rest of these aren't Illinois. So I'll be posting, saw a couple of more shops when I was there. Um, actually, there's some neat ones that uh, uh, I'll be posting. So that's Illinois. I don't know what else. Does anybody have any experience with Illinois? Guns or anything? It was it was really depressing to drive through Illinois and have such fabulous gun stores and not be able to buy a damn thing. Yeah. But I, I love the gun stores. They got some great goddamn gun stores in Illinois. And, and all the other states, it's really funny because the states right next to them, when you get real close to the Illinois border, the, the number of gun stores per square mile just jumps amazingly high. So yeah. you know you're coming close to Illinois because all of a sudden there's gun stores everywhere. It's crazy. Now you're saying even with your CNR you couldn't buy guns in Illinois? No, no. Oh, that's lame. 
No, it was it was bad. Well, I don't think I had it when uh, when I uh, when I went through Illinois. I was going to visit my my relatives in Arkansas. I didn't go through Illinois when I went to Tulsa, and I didn't have my CNR then. Because because when I did the when I had the CNR, I went through <coughs> New York to pick up John Z. And we went, we kind of went that way. You know, we went, we went the lower loop instead of the upper loop. And, uh, and so I didn't, I didn't get a chance to go. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't have my, I didn't have my CNR, so I couldn't buy anything. I mean, I, I, mean, I suppose it has something to do with the, well, it all has the, this, this, the fact that Illinois got their CCW probably has to do with the fact that there's a lot of gun owners here. And now that they have their CCW potential, they're all shooting a lot more. But whatever the chicken or the egg came first there, sorry, Gary. Um, whatever the reason, they're definitely stepping it up with their ranges, too. Um, from Rick, Rick, Big Gunner 81, uh, when he was still in Illinois doing his shows with that radio show. I can't remember the name of the radio show anymore, but he was working with that radio show uh, out of range 355. Uh, that's sort of a big giant building dedicated, you know, dedicated new gun shop. This Fox Valley one is a new one. I didn't get a chance to go to this other one because it's an invite only. There's only like so many members and I know a couple of members, but they work during the day. So they couldn't take me down there. It's not necessarily close to Chicago, but there's another uh, sports club that's just growing immense in size um, doing events, you know, at the national level, hosting events at the national level and stuff. So, I mean, there was a time when people thought Illinois was just going to always be just as void in the middle of the country as far as the Second Amendment and guns. And I'm glad to say, I'm, I'm glad they put the Second Amendment or the uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference here because, I mean, I might have come through Illinois because I have some people here, but, um, you know, coming here for that and hanging out, getting uh, experience from Chicago Guns Matter, from uh, Illinois State Rifle uh, Pistol Association. It's been around since 1903, I think, or 1905 or something. Um, pretty cool. Uh, they're, they're definitely fighting and they're basically fighting a big giant, you know, engine from Chicago that honestly doesn't have a lot of fact or, you know, clout to their position, right? We all know that there's, there's kinks in their position and well, we won't get into it too much tonight because we've got to end at some point, but lots and lots of cool stuff at the gun rights policy conference on how to deal with that uh, situation with the, uh, you know, the Chicago and the violence and all that. All right. So anybody else wants to throw anything in there? They can on Illinois. Otherwise, um, we have a gun movie about, uh, Cody, you knew what's your, what's the last movie you saw or what's a cool gun movie you like? Uh, you got a minute to think about it um is there any history today i don't have the links in front of me so i'm just going to go jump over to guncalendars.com or i try to post stuff like that if you got anything i'm sure we've been missing a bunch of shows i'm sure i can cover a couple of things here does anybody notice anything that I don't have in here as far as gun history? Eh, I don't have anything for the 26th. Looks like um, 24th, we had Gold Star Mother and Families Day. So uh, those are families, mothers, and the rest of the families of the fallen. 
I would take a day to uh, acknowledge their loss and their contributions uh, to freedom and all that. Uh, it's like that same day, Hugo Schmeiser, guy who made the MP44, he was born back in, uh, holy crap, 1884. That guy built the M44 or the SDG44. Anyway, nothing else on the calendar here. So, um, did that give you enough time? What's a gun movie we're talking about? I would definitely have to say it's um, probably going to be Atomic Blonde. Uh, yeah, Atomic Blonde. Uh, it's a more release, a more recent release of a movie, uh, kind of a comic book movie, but they use extensively uh, West and East German handguns during the uh, Cold War and Soviet era, along with. Um, some Makarovs, so it really gives it a Cold War noir feeling, and uh, you have those awesome P22, uh, I want to say fives, uh, being shot all over the place. Mm, okay, anybody else seen this movie, Psycho Camp? I've seen uh, it. No, no, I have not seen it. Sorry, uh, Gary. Nope, never seen it. Hadn't even heard of it until now. And Gary or Woods, you said you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I couldn't agree with that noir kind of aspect of it. It made it feel kind of like kind of that dark kind of thing. It, it was all right. In seventeen, it totally. I totally missed it. Then was it a big budget thing, like on in the movie theaters or? Yeah, it was in the theaters. I don't think it did particularly well though, but it's a pretty decent movie. Who's this girl? Is she anything else? I don't recognize her, I don't think. I'll be honest, I don't know. I think this is the first time I've ever seen her in anything. Okay. So what, she's like a hitman or something? Uh, she's a U.S. Uh, triple agent for the British and the Russians in East Germany. So it's playing that three-way role of stealing info from the Russians to give to the Germans to give to the British back to the U.S. and uh, ends up being an assassin uh, for a couple other uh, double agents that were uh, double agents for Russia against uh, the English. All right, and then it's like a legit, like real story, or it's like a taken type of made up thing. It's a comic book movie. It's oh, okay. straight up just made up. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't even know about it, so that's awesome. So that's the whole point of this is, is there lesbians in it? Looks like there's girls kissing it. Yes, there are, quite a few. Oh, well, then here we go. So, Comic Bond, right on. So that's the whole point, is to uh, talk about movies we haven't seen before. So now you got one, if you haven't seen it. Um, anything else? Anybody else want to throw anything in there tonight? Um, uh, I will. Oh, go ahead. Uh, if you live in PA, get out and uh, call your local representatives uh, about the two new house bills that are going to threaten to pull your guns from you for just accusations. And otherwise, support the other states because if it's uh, not for us supporting them, they become testing grounds and it comes to us. I want to throw out there, uh, I know Yankee did something about 1639 here in Washington. Uh, I do agree that he said, like, you know, it's one of, this is one of the places Bloomberg's trying out some pretty crazy shit. So try to help us fight it because if it works here, it might come some, go somewhere else. 
if it might what the hell are you talking about every time something works in washington which is pretty much always it it always goes to oregon because they do anything you tell them and now it's gone to nevada so none of this if and might bullshit when it happens in washington it happens in oregon and now it's leeching into fucking nevada so you fuck we better start fighting from for washington i'm glad that sporting systems and yankee are efforting this time but holy crap your state needs to get off its damn ass and get help if you need it or educate your damn people but yeah i'm sick of people yelling about california and illinois and new york and new jersey who we know are getting wheeled wailed on freaking washington you guys need to really get your people together over there yeah i threw some money at him today just to uh, help out the cause just for the better good mm. So, uh, 1789, September 25th, the first United States Congress adopted 12 amendments to the Constitution and sent them to the states for ratification. Ten of those amendments became the Bill of Rights. That was today. That was today. So, I, you were looking for something for today, so that was my something for today. I know. That was on www.timelines.ws. So I'm going to throw something out there that has nothing to do with anything. But I, today I bought one of these things. I think it's J-U-U-L, like a nicotine cigarette thingy. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm interested in any feedback people have on them. I like it so far, but uh, I'm wondering if it's worth investing. There's other gadgets and gizmos for it. Um, interested in if anybody out there has played with these things. Uh, they're basically. Like it's vape, but it's more of a stop stop smoking type of cigarette replacement than any oh, of the like juicy blah 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 types. And so far, I'm liking it mainly because it's very tiny. It's about uh, there's no way to describe it. Oh, you know what it's like? You know, remember juicy fruit gum or something like that? Big red, like old fashioned sticks of gum. It's only like two sticks of gum thick. It's like totally thin and kind of square. So oh, I like it. Use the cartridges. Good. Yeah, it uses little disposable cartridges and. The, okay. the shales pitch is that it costs you 20 bucks and it lasts for quite a while. And then the cartridges, you know, cost less than cigarettes. And they, what I like about it is that it's like Hosh has something similar. I don't think he has the same brand, but uh, it's so lightweight. You can just carry it around instead of this big contraption, you know, like those big kids that are smoking clouds of shit. Uh, it's just some little thing and you, it's really clean. But anyway, it hits just like a cigarette. You really get like a little cigarette type of hit as opposed to a big cloud of fruity smoke. So uh, anyway, I'm just curious if it's uh, going to work for the long term for people and uh, any feedback. Well, anything that helps you stop smoking cigarettes is good. You should switch to cigars. <laughs> Actually, Clover gave me a pipe not too long before I headed out on the trip. And then just before the trip, he made sure I had uh, these two big giant bags. of One was sherry and one called hobbit weed i think we talked about it which is a blend he made up that is no longer blended or something and wow it tastes really good so yeah i've been using that like when cigarettes in chicago are freaking like i don't remember 12 or 18 dollars a pack yeah i smoked, I smoked a pipe for years i love smoking pipes and yeah, i really like it in one of my for like long drive you know long haul I really don't like smoking a cigarette because you know I'm not talking with anybody. I'm not on a break or something. A cigarette is kind of the right length for a break or whatever, um, you know, at work or something. Uh, but uh, or like a lunch break at the at the convention, you know. But um, 
you know, in a car, I don't necessarily want to smoke a whole cigarette. And what are you going to put out a cigarette halfway through? That's a pain in the ass and it stinks. So with the um, uh, pipe or whatever, you can puff it a couple of times, just set it there, it goes out, puff it a little bit more, throw some, I don't know if I'm doing it right, throw a little bit more tobacco in there and puff on it. And uh, yeah, pretty neat. I don't think the dog cares one way or the other. So anyway, I'm hoping, uh, I'm not trying to get rid of smoking cigarettes, but I am sick of paying for cigarettes. So I'm curious to see, like I say, if this thing will work. Yeah, I think pipe smoking. The only thing you gotta watch out for is the lip cancer. That's the only bad thing. And cigars the same way. Well, otherwise, stay tuned for more adventures. Um, I'm probably only a third of the way into it now, but I don't have any more appointments other than gun rights policy. I mean, the uh, Arizona Citizens Defense League annual meeting. Uh, you know, every state's right group, uh, state's gun owners' rights group, will have an annual meeting typically where they get together. Everybody can meet up and say, hey, and ours has like a raffle and stuff to raise some money uh, and then a nice dinner uh, with vegan options because they're awesome. And uh, that's about the only thing I have left. It's like an actual scheduled thing. So I'll be moseying around, checking out gun shops. I appreciate people have been throwing in uh, some suggestions for shops. I would appreciate it if you'd head over to gunshowloopholetour.com, the website I put up for the tour itself on the page, main page there and then in the menu there's a link uh, to suggest a location and that just gives me you know one centralized place to look when i'm driving into a new state or a new city or something makes it a lot easier if they were all in one spot i realize they're not going to all be there but anybody who wants to put that a little bit of extra effort uh i still try to scroll through you know the comments on a post here and there on instagram but when you put them into like a comments like gun, gun channels or in the YouTube side, those are going to you know disappear for the most part uh, or else be real difficult to go back and find them, even if I remember where they were, you know, it might take a while to search through them. Definitely on a phone, it's difficult. So uh, anyway, I appreciate the people that are suggesting places. Uh, I found a couple of places just kind of randomly, but uh, definitely value the, the direction people give me to this, you know, the coolest shops out there. Like somebody just mentioned one that had their 75th anniversary. You know, that's got to be cool for a shop to be 75 years old. That's pretty neat. So um, lots more adventures coming up and lots more scolding and pitching because I went to this gun rights policy conference and I'm not convinced that we're going to change the world just yet. So um, we're going to change that so that we can change the world in 2019. We're going to fucking get ready for that. So get ready to be bored as shit or fleet because I don't want you around if you're not willing to roll up your sleeves and get fucking sweaty because we're about to put in some real work so that we're not spinning our wheels anymore or at least well, you got your, you got your perfect you got your perfect time coming up here because november is election year let's get them midterms going baby you know it and i'm kind of frustrated that we're not already you know we don't have calls to action you know in six different things so that everybody out there who's efforting can, can pull in the same direction uh it might be too late for that it might not we're going to uh Put some feelers out there and find out. And uh, I don't know. Whatever. Anybody got a quote? I got a quote. Right so in the, in the spirit of today's uh, main topic, here is a quote from a regular citizen, Donald L. Klein. Keeping and bearing arms is not only a fundamental right, it is a fundamental duty upon which all liberty and sovereignty is based. That's our quote from Donald Klein. Right on. Thanks, Cody, for jumping in. It was good to have you for the first time. 
uh, Woods, Gary, and Cycle, thanks for jumping in. I cannot do the show by myself. And people that are watching on gun channels, I value you're jumping in on a place that a whole bunch of people pay to exist. All you people on YouTube, I acknowledge you exist. The guys and gals of gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com.